Hello, Praxis. Thanks for having me, and uh, so glad we could meet together tonight, even though it's kind of in unusual circumstances. Thanks for Chris and Alan and the guys for inviting me out. Uh, it's so good to hear that singles ministry is still going on, even during this time of COVID. Um, singles ministry has always been near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're aware. Actually, many, many moons ago, many years ago, I actually helped start Singles Ministry here at Lighthouse. And I was thinking about that and kind of uh, running the numbers. And I think most of you guys were probably like in elementary school when we started this. Um, some of the OG members of the Singles Ministry now are married and actually have kids in youth group. Um, but it's a blessing to hear that Singles Ministry is still going strong. Um, today's topic uh, is wisdom at work. I know you guys have been going through First uh, Peter, and we've been taking some breaks to talk about kind of wisdom issues. And so I've been tasked with the topic of wisdom at work, ambition, stewardship, and testimony. It was a very specific uh, topic they gave me. Um, kind of three points already to kind of outline the sermon for me. Ambition, stewardship, testimony. I'm not sure if they were kind of afraid I'd go off the rails a little bit, so they wanted to tell me exactly what I was to share. So we're going to stick with that. Now, this may be a weird time to talk about work. Um, some of you are were just starting to look for maybe your first job, and then COVID hit. And uh, that threw just a big monkey wrench into all of this. Uh, for others, uh, you may have had your hours uh, cut back or maybe got furloughed and a few people may even got laid off. Um, you know, at, at my work, you know, I'm also an urgent care doctor in my spare time. Things have been been actually really slow and we've had to uh, let go of some doctors. Um, you know, pre-COVID, I couldn't have imagined any scenario, any disaster, anything where we wouldn't need doctors working. Um, anyway, you know, some of you may have shifted to work from home. Others are still doing what you've been doing all along. But I think this will hopefully be helpful, uh, whatever situation you're in, because I, I actually want to help us focus on the big picture. The idea of how to go about choosing a career and how work fits into the rest of life. Uh, not sure if that's what the guys, Chris and those guys, were asking of me, but that's how I interpreted it, and uh, it's too late now. Um, but because many of you are right at the beginning of your work life, your work career, you still have plenty of flexibility and options, so I hope to give you some guidance and direction in this. So let's open up with a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for just your blessings and in this time that we can still do ministry together and learn together. And I pray for um, just humility as we come before your word um, to really think through what does work look like and how does it fit into our lives and how can we really uh, be wise as we look uh, to careers and jobs and the such. Uh, so bless our time tonight. Bring about good conviction and transformation that we may live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before 
we get into um, a lot of the nitty-gritty, I want to just do a quick, uh, quick discussion on, on the theology of work. Kind of what does the Bible say just about work in general? So three quick points. One, work is a good thing. You know, despite what the world teaches, right? Thank God it's Friday. You know, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You know, work was actually intended to be a good thing from the very beginning. You know, we think about it, God worked. Uh, we are made in his image. <clears throat> you know, we were basically created to work. You think about Adam. Right? After day five of creation, God has made the water and land. And he looked out and said in Genesis 2.5, uh, there is no man to work the ground. And so he creates Adam and Eve. And he gives them this charge in Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. And Genesis 2, 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. So God creates man and calls him, calls man to work and keep the earth. After finish, God finishes all of this, he looks out, and what does he say? He said, it was good. So work is a good thing. God did it, and he continues to do it, and we were created to do so. And secondly, we are all called to work. Let me ask you, if you won the lottery, if you won $50 million, would you still work? You know, God set a pattern of working six days and resting one. In Psalm 104, it says, man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. There's a biblical principle here that we are all to work. A large part of our day and week are meant for work. Proverbs repeatedly warns against being idle, but blesses those who work diligently. Now, Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians, if anyone's not willing to work, he doesn't get to eat. So if you did happen to come into unexpected wealth, you should still work. In fact, when Adam was called to work, God hadn't invented money yet. Work was just part of Adam's routine. So work not, is not just what we're paid to do. Volunteering is considered work. We ought to keep working in retirement. In fact, one of the most important jobs in the world is unpaid, the stay-at-home mom. So we are call, all called to work regularly and to work hard. And the third idea is work has been corrupted by sin. You know, the fall, the, uh, when sin entered the world, it infects everything and uh, even work. Genesis 3 tells us because of the fall, because man rebelled, God places a curse on work. And that's not like this, this voodoo hex, but the very nature and context of human work has been changed. Work becomes toilsome, becomes painful, becomes difficult, becomes a burden. You know, that is why today work is hard. It is tiring. Uh, the curse means that creation doesn't always cooperate with us. Instead, it gives us thorns and thistles. And because of the fall, sinful people are now working with other sinful people with sinful agendas in a sinful system that rewards sinful values. That's why work is so hard. So, with that basic, you know, Theology 101 uh, of work in mind, let us consider then how we as Christians are to approach work. And there's three main ideas. So the first is this idea of work and ambition. So ambition 
uh, means to have a strong desire uh, to do to, to want to do or achieve something. So right now in our country, there are two main ambitions. One is to keep this virus from spreading, and the other is to restart the economy. Uh, what you want to see in terms of social distancing versus open things back up depends a lot on which ambition is more important for you. Our ambitions lead to a particular course of action. Some key verses that can help us uh, form our ambition. Romans 12.1 tells us that our lives are to be spiritual acts of worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31, do all things for the glory of God. Matthew 22 tells us more practically that this means to love God and to love others. So our, our ambition then is to live for God in such a way that our actions, our work, point others to Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. So let's think about then that then. How would that overall ambition to glorify God translate into work? So let me give you some possible ambition statements for your career. One, my ambition at work is to be a witness in light. Another one might be, my ambition is to do the most good, make the world a better place. Or how about, my ambition is to make the most money for the kingdom. Or, my ambition is to rise up the work ladder to have more influence and help steer my company or group to do good things. Or maybe my ambition is to be independent, work for myself so I can control how my work glorifies God. Or maybe my ambition is to provide for and take care of my family. Uh, then there's maybe my ambition is to be financially secure or retire early in order to serve God with my time. Or my ambition is that work is merely a means to free me up to serve in ministry, at church, in community, or in missions. Now, you hear these, and I think all these have merit. You could find biblical principles to back each of these. But you'll notice that not all of them are compatible. You couldn't be independent and rise up the corporate ladder. You couldn't work just enough to allow for other ministry and make a lot of money for the kingdom. And that's the thing. Under the umbrella of glorifying God and how we live, there's a lot of room for different ambitions. And that's because we're all created uniquely. We all have different sets of gifts, different circumstances, different opportunities. It's not one size fits all. So as you develop your own personal ambition statement, really, that it's a life statement. It, it's going to be important to look at your gifts, your circumstances, your opportunities, as well as how work fits in with the rest of life. Which brings us to our second point, work as stewardship. So a simple definition of stewardship would be making the most of what God has given us. Making the most of what God has given us. Years ago, there was a strong man, and he was, uh, you know, he was working for the circus. And what he would do for his act, he would take a lemon, and he would squeeze it. He was a strong guy. He would squeeze all the juice out of it. And then he would say, if anyone can squeeze another drop of lemon juice out of this, uh, you'll get $200. So up comes this old, frail lady. She's like 80-some years old. She comes up. She takes the lemon and she starts squeezing on it, and she squeezes out like a teaspoon of lemon juice. 
And the straw man's like, how did you do that? You know, how is that possible? And the old, the old lady says, young man, lots of practice. I have been the church treasurer for 42 years. You know, she knew how to make the most of what she was given. And that's good stewardship. So a, key, a few key verses on stewardship. Romans 12, 4 to 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, and so on with a list of other gifts. So the idea here is that we all have unique gifts, and we are, we are to use them not for selfish gain and, and purposes, but for the body. Uh, to edify others. Matthew 25, you're familiar with the parable of the talents. You know, again, we need to make the most of what little or much that God has given us. Uh, in verse 23, it says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's the hope for all of us as we uh, work to steward best what God has given us. Luke 14, 28 reminds us to count the cost, to take inventory. Uh, it says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Now, for me, on my road to becoming a doctor, you know, started kind of back in high school, I realized I was good at science and math, you know, and I wanted to help people, which is kind of what all doctors say. Um, in college, I did a summer internship at a health clinic in Chinatown, New York City, which really helped solidify uh, that this was something uh, I could do and that I wanted to do. You know, I knew my parents would approve. And really, it was what all the kids at my school were doing in those days. It was either medicine, Wall Street, or literally starting Yahoo or Google. You know, and I, I think a lot of us, we start here. You know, what am I good at? You know, what are my natural abilities? Which is not a bad question, but I think what often happens as we start with ourselves, we then start asking, you know, will I be happy? Will I be fulfilled? Will I have a good life? Will I be appreciated? Will I have status? Will I make good money? And the point is, typically we start with ourselves. Then we might go on to consider, you know, does this help others? Will I live in a good community? Will I be part of a good church? Uh, be near my friends, my family? You know, will I have good coworkers? And finally, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, then we look at all that and say, does this all honor God? I think to be good stewards, we really should reverse things. Uh, we should think about God, then others, and then self. Honoring God in our careers, it, it does allow for a lot of freedom, but there are simply some jobs that we should avoid because they dishonor God. You know, working for an abortion clinic, selling drugs, obviously there are things that are clearly wrong. Some professions may promote addictions like gambling or drinking and probably best to avoid. Now, beyond these obvious things, honoring God also should mean uh, finding a job that allows us to live a godly lifestyle. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a job that means you're going to be out of town 30 hours a week when you're a parent of young ones, that's not allowing for a godly lifestyle. 
Or maybe you have a job that regularly requires 80 hours a week of work. You know, that's not healthy for anybody. I remember um, a few years, probably six, seven years back, uh, it was after church one Sunday, and we we're hanging out in the NPR. Remember, we used to do that way back in February. Um, and uh, a few of the young ladies from UCLA uh, wanted to just chat with me. And I think there were like maybe four or five of them. We sat around the table and they were asking me about medicine. Uh, and they were thinking about going pre-med and going into medicine. And I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. Let's talk about that. Let's think about um, what that might look like and just kind of this opportunity to talk to them about stewardship. And so I kind of explained to them, medicine is a great field, you know, uh, very rewarding. But at the same time, you are spending years and years going through medical school and residency. In fact, your 20s are in the hospital. Uh, you don't get out until you're almost 30. Um, and then on top of that, most likely you're going to come out with a, a huge amount of debt. You know, it's not unusual for kids these days to come out with $200,000 worth of debt. So it's likely you're going to have to work and keep working um, once you come out. And so I asked them, you know, you hear that and think about to you how important it is to think to, to have a family, to have kids. How important it is to have the option to maybe stay home and, and raise the kids. You know, these are all things to think about. How important is it in your 20s to be serving and be available to do other things? And I, to, I told them, these are things to think about, you know. Um, I'm not saying one thing's one way is better than the other, but it's important to think through. And um, there are other options within the field of medicine that are less time-consuming than being a doctor. You know, you can go into physical therapy, be a pharmacist, other options being a nurse. And so fast forward three or four years, and I remember a few of those ladies actually came back uh, to find me to talk, and they, they, they were thankful. Uh, because they took those words to heart and they ended up pursuing medicine, but not as a physician. Some went on to uh, physical therapy, uh, nursing, and other fields. And um, I've been waiting for the, uh, the Chinese immigrant parents of these students to call me uh, saying, what are you doing? What are you teaching our kids? And if you didn't know, that is actually my official title at Lighthouse. I am the pastor of Upset Chinese Immigrant Parents. It's like a full-time job. Um, so I'll have to say it's, it, it's important just to um, think about uh, stewardship and how it can uh, affect uh, the, our lifestyle, how we can really honor God with our time and our life. Next, uh, we should look to loving others. You know, a, a job should provide for our basic needs and our family needs and allow us also to be generous with others. You know, I counseled husbands who have continued to take assistance from their parents or their in-laws and weren't willing to do what it takes to get a job where he could independ independently support his family. And that, that's just wrong. Or on the other side, men who have lost their jobs and aren't willing to take a job they consider beneath them, even though it would help take care of their family. And for ladies, I kind of mentioned briefly earlier, being a stay-at-home stay mom uh, really does take care of some really important family needs, which either you will do or someone else will do. So I think it's something really important to think about is uh, take, what does it look like to take care of your family, your children? Loving others also means evangelism. 
For many of us, work is our primary missions field. You know, how can we be strategic about choosing a workplace where we can share and live out Christ to others? I've heard great stories of how some young adults have chosen a field like nursing over maybe another easier or more lucrative field because it affords them so much opportunity to share with their patients. How about loving your extended family? You know, have you considered how your career choices may impact how you love and care for them? Some have chosen jobs that keep them close to home in hopes of continuing to share with their unbelieving parents. Others stay close to care for aging or ill family members. What about loving your church family? I know folks who have made schooling choices and job choices based on their ability to continue to be part of a healthy church family, whether it's Lighthouse or elsewhere. Even even just having a loving community of friends is something so important to think about. So we, we want to love God, love others, and of course we do need to look at ourselves. We should look at our abilities and gifts. You know, what are you naturally good at? What talents do you have? And to be an elementary school teacher, you probably should be good with kids. To make a living as a musician, you must have some natural music abilities. To be a doctor, you need to be good at science-type courses. But if you hate kids, if you're tone deaf, if you faint at the sight of blood, you probably need to look elsewhere. I, am, I remember in medical school on the first day of gross anatomy, you know, where you're dissecting, um, one of the, my fellow students fainted. And I was thinking, you know, maybe not the best field for you to be in. And fortunately, he ended up going into psychiatry or psychology. So um, good stewardship. Uh, besides your abilities and gifts, think about experiences. What things have you done that you've been good at, that uh, you've been effective at, that you really enjoy? What passions do you have? You know, do you have a heart for those who suffer injustice? Maybe a previous experience has led you to want to advocate for or help the underprivileged. Or maybe your love for social media has led you to want to help companies or churches communicate their ideas and values well to the outside world. What about opportunities? Now, not all abilities, gifts, and passions translate into employable work. A love of video games may not get you far, although nowadays with e-games, you know, that's changed some of that. Uh, I remember once my son learned about that, you know, my, my wife was telling him to stop, get off video games and study. And he was like, why are you crushing my dreams? All to say that sometimes we end up at jobs that may not utilize some of our strongest gifts. We may not be terribly passionate about or have a lot of experience in, but it's an opportunity presented to us. And that's okay, because again, it doesn't start with me, but we want to look at how it may help love others, love God. So let's be faithful stewards as we choose a career path. <clears throat> now, before we move on, one word of caution. You know, as we steward, beware of selfishness creeping in. You know, the word ambition is mentioned in the ESV five times. Uh, one time is speaking of Paul's ever-present ambition to preach the gospel. The other four times, they are warnings against selfish ambition. You know, the world has propped up and espoused the ideas of self-actualization. You'll be the best version of yourself, where the focus is really on me, first and foremost. 
The danger is that we let personal happiness and fulfillment trump loving God and loving others. What on the outside may appear to be an ambition to make money for the kingdom or free up time to serve can easily turn into furtherance of my own kingdom, my pleasure, and my comfort. So be, car be careful. Let's not let comfort take the place of sacrifice or suffering. Let's not let luxuries become necessities. Uh, let's not let relying on let's not rely on our own providing, but really trust in God's providing. And what about the danger of seeking prestige, status, title? You know, the world typically rewards intelligence, hard work, good looks with higher status and pay. But is this God's economy? You know, look at Jesus and his disciples. They're fishermen, tax collectors, carpenter. You know, not exactly the elite of society. But God so often uses the weak and lowly for great things. Now, there's nothing wrong with making money. You know, plenty of rich, godly people in the Bible. Nor is it wrong to have status. You know, David became king. There were elite Roman officials who were part of the kingdom. But these two, these titles and whatnot, need to be used responsibly for the Lord. Now, I'm hoping you're starting to see that a key to good stewardship, as, uh, as you're seeing, is it must be keeping the big picture in mind. It's not just about a job, a career, but really, how does this all tie into everything else that I do? And this brings us to our third and last point, work as testimony. What I mean by testimony here is that how we work and how we fit work into the rest of life is a testimony to how we live for Christ. A key verse here is found in Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul here is talking about the Christian walk, how we live our day-to-day -day life. And the key here is to be wise, to choose best over better, to know God's will. So when it comes to work and how it fits into life, we indeed need to choose wisely. You know, how does work fit into my life's overall ambition, my life's uh, stewardship? And the key here then is balance. We must wisely balance work with all the other parts of life. Work has its place, but it can't be the thing, you know, which is a trap and an idol that so many, especially in America, have fallen into. You know, in America, we take less vacation and work longer hours than pretty much every other industrialized nation. And at what cost? Marriages, family, community service, church life, so often take a backseat to our work schedules. On the flip side, some may see work as simply a means to an end with no thought of the opportunities work provides for evangelism, for testimony, for service. In your stage of life right now, as young singles, you may not have as many plates to spin, but it's good to get into this Ephesians 5 mindset now, to walk wisely. For many folks, the busiest times of their career when they are starting to really advance toward, toward higher positions in management, 
they happen at the same time that they are starting to have young kids to take care of. And maybe their parents are starting to age a little bit and need some help. And this starts putting a ton of stress on their marriage and then cracks start to show. And maybe even at the same time, uh, they're asked to head up a ministry or be like a deacon at church. So all these plates are spinning all at the same time and are threatening to topple over. So hopefully you can see why learning this idea of balance now will be helpful for you down the road. <clears throat> so let me give you uh, three quick things to think about in terms of finding this balance. One, God has given all of us a clear bar of faithfulness in each area of life. So for each role that we have, uh, there is a biblical call to what faithfulness should look like in that role. So for instance, work, you know, we're called to provide, we should be a good employee, we should be a light. Uh, you think about being part of a church, we're called to be a member, <clears throat> called to serve, called to practice the one another's. You're all part of a family. You know, you're called to honor your parents. You know, one day, if you're called to marriage, you're called to love and serve your spouse. If you ever have children, uh, there's a faithfulness bar. It's to instruct and disciple in the Lord. You know, all of us are, have the role of being a child of God. And faithfulness there looks like the idea of having this daily relationship with God, uh, abiding in Christ. We also have the role of being a friend. Um, uh, and the Bible calls us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, so first, we all have these, these levels of faithfulness in each role. Second, God gives us enough time and energy to be faithful in each of these areas. You know, the gospel gives us power and strength. And when we choose to live faithfully for Jesus in each of these areas, then he will give us the time and the energy to do so. Third, the problem is when we raise or lower the bars because of our idols. And what I mean by that is that we may add unnecessarily to God's bar of faithfulness. So instead of seeing work as simply a way to provide an opportunity to love others, we start adding to our work identity. You know, we let work define who we are. We add comfort. You know, the extra money from work brings an easier life. We add people-pleasing. I crave what people think of me through my excellence at work, and so on. Or we may lower the bar. Being, we may say being at faithful, faithful at church means simply showing up on Sunday and giving a tithe every week, when in fact there's so much more, right? Or being a good friend means just reaching out when I have time and energy. And what happens is we let our chasing after some false idol raise what we consider faithfulness in one area, and this leaves us less time to be faithful in other areas. It ruins balance and ultimately our testimony. I see this so often, especially, again, like I mentioned, men who are just trying to, in that stage of juggling uh, their career, their marriage, their kids, their aging parents, and so on. And often I hear they think, well, I'm providing. You know, I want to first get ahead in my career, make money, get stable, and then I can focus on family, on church. Meanwhile, the kids are now in middle school, have missed out on so much good shepherding, and the marriage is falling apart and other, other issues, and that's why they're here for counseling. So how do we make sure we wisely balance work with the rest of life? 
So practically speaking, I think what you should do first is just list out the different roles or plates uh, in your life right now that the Lord has called you to. Now, I mentioned some of the categories such as you know, work, your role in your family, serving at church, being a friend, etc. Now for each, write down biblically what you see as faithfulness in each area. And try to be specific. For instance, <clears throat> maybe writing down being involved in a weekly Sunday morning ministry. That's what I see as faithfulness as being a church member. Or having a regular accountability group. That's faithfulness in friendship. Or spending 15 minutes a day in prayer. Or exercising three times a week. And so write down specific things that you see, uh, you would like to see in your life and what would faithfulness look like. Then evaluate each of these bars of faithfulness that you put down. You know, are there any question marks? Are there areas where your choices are influenced more by idols than scripture? Then write down any changes that you may need to make. What routines need to be added into your schedule? What things may need to be set aside? You know, as you start making adjustments, as you start pursuing faithfulness in each area, your testimony will all the more point to Jesus. So what might this look like in real life? You know, a few years back, a young man approached me to help, help him think through choosing between going to medical school versus seminary. So being a doctor versus a pastor. So we thought through this together, together and we first considering, you know, what did honoring God look like in this? Is full-time ministry more honoring than working in the secular world? You know, obviously, no. We can honor God in all that we do. Both professions lend themselves to work that give plenty of opportunity to minister to others. He definitely saw both uh, as opportunities to love others and understood that either choice could result in relocation, but he wasn't really tied down uh, to the area by family. His experiences included opportunities in pastoral ministry, as well as uh, a close relative who succumbed to cancer, which was the field he was interested in pursuing. His skills and gifts included this intelligence and curiosity and work ethic that we, we found would fit well with either pursuit. You know, we examined his motivation for each choice, and we talked through some of the dangers. You know, there's money, there's comfort, there's people-pleasing, there's status. And I think it was a difficult decision, and I think he really went back and forth on this. We talked about how after thinking through this and after a good, honest examination of his heart and options, he had freedom to make a choice. In the end, he decided on medicine, knowing that there would still be plenty of opportunities for pastoral-type ministries down the road. You know, as he's progressed in his training, we're, we've continued to meet, and we've talked more now about what does balance look like between medicine, which you can devote all kinds of time to, uh, church, friends, relationships, and so forth. You know, some might think that given the choice, full-time pastoral ministry is the highest calling and being a doctor maybe not too far behind. But what you do is really not as important as how you do it. You know, being faithful, being a light, it doesn't matter really the occupation. But we want to choose a job that best utilizes who we are and the opportunities we have. Like we said earlier, it's not one size fits all. So, so figure it out. You know, what fits best your personal 
combination of ambition, stewardship, and testimony. In no way is this an easy decision. You know, I, I encourage you, wrestle with it. Seek wise counsel. Pray. Pray desperately. Uh, and be patient. And let the Lord lead you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we understand that you have called us to live a life that pleases you in every way. There is no area that we are to hold on to for ourselves. And as we think through our work, our careers, may you lead us to honor you, to love others, to best steward our gifts and opportunities. Help us to better know our hearts and propensities to serve ourselves. Help us to honestly evaluate not just our work situation, but the way we live out every role you call us to. May we be faithful, Lord, and walk wisely for your glory. We thank you and praise you. Amen. Thank you and God bless.